that I, I don't want to go back to the parking lot literally i think you do <laughs> no the beef beef stick is that what you said that it, it's a somebody plays the beef stick no no the base stick base stick and then you brought in helmet too yeah i i've she, never heard of that you never heard of the band helmet well, I have heard of the band Helmet, yeah. but I haven't heard of the beef, beef stick. This no, the bass stick. Bass stick. It's it's like a long. It's an electronic bass. It's a long. It's almost like a uh, uh, modernized. Uh, the next evolution. We used to be say uh, like a stand up uh, uh, washboard bass, where because originally, like if you, if you go back to old jug bands, you know uh, they would take a, a wash base and a metal wash base and turn it upside down, and stick a broom handle in it, drill a hole uh, and put a broom handle. And then run a string, and they just boom, 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 boom. In old jug bands, like Mungo Jerry. Mungo Jerry, yeah. Watermelon Man. Why, yeah. Do you remember Mungo Jerry? No, I've never met him. Do you remember the, the the song In the Summertime? I do. In the... We used to play that in Alaska. Yeah? A group, a, a band that I was in called Alaska. They were a jug band. Well, we weren't. No. And you know where they were called jug bands? Uh, ah. I'll tell you. Mm. All right. Right. Okay. So, in say like in Appalachia, Kentucky, those places a long time ago, people would be poor. They'd have Again, no money. Here we go with yeah, the talking uh, like that. And the, they couldn't afford instruments, go. so they'd use homemade instruments. Um, and they they would make a washboard bass, and maybe they'd have like a little banjo, which is popular at the time. And another guy would take a whiskey jug, yes, and he'd blow in it. You do that. You do it. If you could see him do that, it was uh, your. Here's what I want Rob to do. Rob, I want you to get up to your microphone. Get up to your microphone. And I just want you to go like this. I want you to go. Can you do that? Keep doing that. That's not okay. the microphone, Rob. <laughs> and then, Bob, you do the melody. Keep doing it. Wow. There. Let's see. That was awesome. <laughs> well, that's that's where like bands like uh, uh, the Grateful Dead was a jug band originally. Well, I'm so it was sure like they were mountain music, and like people used to, it's what people used to do. And the last one to be popular or famous was 40 or 50 years ago. Wow, Mungo Jerry out of England. And it was that song that we uh, just kind of uh, reprised right there. Reprised. Yeah. Felt good, didn't it? I mean, God. let's be honest. Didn't it that feel was, funny? At yeah. first, you're going, this is going to be silly. It was silly. And then when something comes out that kind of makes uh, sonic sense, you go, hey, that's pretty cool. Sonic sense. Sonic sense. Wow. That's why people tune into the show just to... Uh, They're tuning in right now on okay. my own Mixler. On your uh, own Mixler. Yeah, we, we're, we're simulcasting you know what we You know what we enjoy about uh, having you here is uh, you bring uh, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my friend, my friend, and your friend, yes, from Berkeley, Berkeley, yeah, Kevin Johnson the third, Kevin Johnson. He III. says he's just here for the Philly cheesesteak ads, <laughs> and, and and '60s hillbilly music Jeopardy. It's compelling. It's compelling. Yes, tell him that he can uh, YouTube Mungo Jerry and actually <laughs> see them perform live on the YouTube, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yes, uh, yeah. Mr. Third, Mr. That's his last name, right? Well, at times it <laughs> is. Mr. The Third. He's uh, he's a musician in himself. Uh, in himself? He's in, 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 in and of himself. In and of himself. Yes. You know, the problem with that is there's just too many prepositions he in was, that he was Or on, just himself. He was, uh, he was on Doogie Howser. <laughs> 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 
He was on Doogie Howser? He was. Did Doogie like it? What was it? What? <laughs> <laughs> it was a mountain music. Uh, apparently, uh, from what I understand, Doogie would. <laughs> he said, he goes, let him know you don't have to tell him because he can actually hear yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, it's going to okay. say something. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I get confused by all I'm this. I'm getting a uh, pimple right on my nose, right there. Look at that. I'm, I'm more amazed at being you, 53 here that I'm getting a pimple. And you know what? Can I be honest with you? Please. It looks more like a herpy. Well, well, knowing that parking lot downstairs, <laughs> you never know what you're going to catch. Well, when I gave you directions, because this is your wait, first. Wait, wait. Gave? When I gave you, gave you directions. He speaks okay. really weird. I, assuming that you read the directions, <laughs> and I may have put their park on buckboard. You know what? You could have. I did have. On the, yeah. the street we there. Park, we park on the street. You know why we park on the street? Because. that parking lot is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went down there one time, and I, I told I told Shirley, we're, we're not parking down here. What a creepy. Well, there's visitor parking down there. I'm I assuming, got it. Yeah, okay. And there's there's assigned parking. Yeah, I didn't And one that. of the reasons we came to the new studio is because not only do we have that wonderful view that you are being afforded right now from, uh, from your vantage point, but... Um, it economically made sense. It's great, a co- great cooler studio. building, great studio, great, studio. and economically worked out. And it's near the old studio, so it's not far away. But they could have charged me for uh, my own parking spot, and I go, well, now that be- that ruins the concept of economic wisdom. So uh, we park right on the street out there on uh, Buckbird. Well, you can you can sure bet that I I hung out in the parking lot. I'm sure you did. You probably um, probably sold some stuff out of the trunk. I have no trunk. It's a hatchback. Speaking of um, a speaking, speaking of selling my trunk. I, I, oh, I, hey, I, oh. <laughs> do you watch that? Do you watch uh, Dice's show? I do. Do you like it? I do. It's an enjoyable, I like it. It's an enjoyable program. I'm low riding in this chair. This you know, we have uh, we have a couple of uh, de- uh, uh, degrees of separation from that show, Shirley and I. Well, we have one that's totally unusual. And I would like to know. Okay. So on the show, the guy who plays his buddy, his best friend, is a guy named Kevin Corrigan. Kind of screwed Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kevin Corrigan was on a show prior to this called Grounded for Life. Okay? Roger. Uh, and uh, a close personal friend of mine, Lance Lane, movie director uh, and uh, screenwriter, uh, used to have a workshop, and Kevin Corrigan was in that workshop. Okay, even while he was working, he still was going taking classes with uh, Lance because he was always trying to keep his instrument sharp. And no one knows better than you how important it is to keep your instrument sharp. You always have to keep it nice and polished. Yes. I don't know if sharp is a term anymore. I think if you have a, uh, uh, if you have a polished instrument. Especially a beef stick yeah, or a bass yeah. stick. If you whip out a polished instrument, you well, don't need to prove that it's sharp. Are you in the union then? Yeah. <laughs> Without paying any dues. <laughs> So Kevin, uh, like Lance, and then one year for uh, Christmas, the production company gave everybody in the cast of Grounded for Life gifts. One of the gifts Chris, that they gave. Uh, excuse me. What? Christopher Royer says, I am here. Does he know how to get to this part? Uh, I don't know. Rob's going to go find him. And I feel bad for Rob. He'll miss the rest of this story. <laughs> I think Rob just. <laughs> so here's what happened. Kevin Corrigan was given by the production company Grounded for Life a gift, and the gift was a very expensive Tag Hooter watch. Tag Hauer. Hauer. Tag Hauer watch. Hooter. Very expensive a watch. Salute. And he gave it to my friend Lance. Okay? And then Lance, and it's like a $4,000, $5,000 watch. Tag Hooter. Tag Hooter. But it was free. Gave okay? it to him. Gift. Yeah. So Lance uh, hocked it one time. Who? Okay? And then um, I got out of hock for him. 
on the and I paid and, and I paid him some money and I paid to get it on a hawk and I said oh you, you just pay me back and I'll give you and he give you the watch back I said I'd like to wear it until you pay me back he said yeah after a while Lance said just keep the watch and I had that watch for many years and I'm firmly convinced that a magician in town Michael Finney stole it off my arm <laughs> while he was showing me a magic trick and and I've told Michael this Shirley says I left it outside while I was trimming the bushes because everyone's why you like to trim the bushes outside and. <laughs> You're really gonna set me up like that, really? You're gonna just set me up? Okay. Okay. Uh, Secret chimp. And and it, and the watch is gone forever. But as we watch dice, and I see Kevin Corrigan, there it is. We have this connection through a Tag Heuer watch. And so, bushes. And bushes. And we we know a lot of people who are on the show. Michael Wheels Parisi. Wheels Parisi was. I, I listened to that show once. He's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people that we know. Uh, uh, we I've never met Dice. But a lot of the people that I'm close with, good show. Uh, know him. Yeah, it is. It's a fine program. Good show. Uh, very funny. I like that other that chick. What's her name? Um, that plays his girlfriend, Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah, is that who that is? I don't know, but it's, yeah. it's kind of like that. I'm name. proud of you for saying the name. Well, I thank you. You know who's coming in studio in a moment? This is exciting. We oh, should, we should, sh- Christopher Royer. Christopher Royer's dead. He is. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. He's outside. He plays a mean bass stick. Looking in. Nobody <laughs> can. No, no, we can't do that. No, no one talks like you. No one comes up with those phrases. I like, know, I know. And, and that's, that, that's it's why. It's got to stop <laughs> or it's got to pick up. Yeah. That's why I have a, a popular internet radio program. That's huge. Yeah. It's massive. It's huge. It, it's, it's bad. It's nationwide. It's easy <laughs> job. Who got it? Two points if you got that. Um, my show is bad. It's nationwide. It's, it's so worldwide. bad. It is. You can pick this up probably out in the universe. You. There we go. There we go. Nobody. So in uh, Christopher Royer is going to be in in a moment. He is. Um, he's going to be tomorrow, right? He's going to be manana, and uh, the whole gang will be there. Uh, Shirley Lowe, Visick, Bob Rocky, Tony Visick, intern Rob. Everybody will be there at Chris Royer's show tomorrow night at the fabulous Tempe Center for the Arts at 7.30 p.m. Uh, tickets are readily available, although they're going, they're going they're fast. They're going quick. Yeah, they're going quick. Hey, quick quicker than some of the tickets for the, our, our last few shows have gone. That, uh, that lineup is bombastic Phenomenal. tomorrow. It's a phenom. Bom- it's a bombastic. It's a bombastic. It's a mega lineup. It's, it's a huge. mega lineup of uh, massive humor. Lots of musical uh, well, no, let groups. Me try, let me try this. A mega lineup of massive humor. Humor. The Tempe Center of the Arts. Arts. <laughs> Don't do that. Should we say hi to our guest? Let's do that. Yeah. You Chris, how are you? On, you can right. put your headphones on. I am well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, you look all... Um, Bob and I are sitting here all uh, modeled. <laughs> we are, n- and not modeled like modeled like mottled. M O T T L E D. I wear a V neck. You wear a V neck. Yeah, all the yeah. I've got more hair on my back than I do on my chest. Yeah, and that yeah. never used to be that way. You do well in the winter, <laughs> like a throw rug. <laughs> yeah, have you tried to rent yourself out as a throw rug a couple times. Have you told? I'm a throw rug. Listen, Lay on me. It's my back. I can do whatever yeah. I want to. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Uh, we've been uh, talking about your uh, fabulous uh, program of humor, which will be uh, uh, presented to the public in a little over 24 hours now at the uh, temp- I'm doing it at the Tempe Center for the Art. <laughs> what the 
the old TCA. TCA. And uh, uh, I told people this is one of your rare headlining performances. Not a, I was speaking with someone about you the other day, and I was talking about some of the local comics in town and how some stay here and just wither on the vine. They become uh, what I call 10-minute uh, ten ten Facebook wonders. They got 10 minutes of Facebook page, and they, they wander they wander around like uh, someone from a Greek tragedy from open mic to open <laughs> mic. And people who had real promise. You, on the other hand, are not only someone who's had real promise, in my estimation, but fulfilled that promise creatively, but decided not to move because you've done two of the most terrible things that a stand-up comic can do. <laughs> you fell in love, and you have a good job. Yeah, that'll be my downfall, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um yeah, I don't want to leave Phoenix. Yeah. And I don't think you have to. And I don't think I'm giving up comedy success to stay here. Yeah. I see people go to L.A. And I see them fight for stage time. That's true. And I true. see them. And what I think a lot of what you see is I was, I was out in San Luis Obispo at a festival there. And a lot of the comedians were from L.A. And when I told them that you can get 10 minutes every night of the week in Phoenix, they were like, what do you mean? Like, we fight to get two minutes and put our name in a hat and hope they draw it and we have and that's how they keep the audience there you know yeah and by not letting you know if you're going to perform or not and <laughs> that's and, a brilliant idea <laughs> yeah and and then then you'll have these um people that the big thing there is do you have a credential you know were you were you that guy on that show because uh -huh. then they can book you so then people go out and you it's so hard to get stage time what do you do if you only got five minutes you do your best five minutes yeah. But then you do your best five minutes. Then you do your best five minutes. And, and everywhere you go, you're going to do that best five minutes. And then what they said is then you get these five-minute headliners because that guy does his best five minutes and eventually someone throws him on a show. Now he's the guy from the show, so you can put him as a headliner. You can put him at the improv. You can put him at the Laugh Factory. And he doesn't have 45 minutes. He's, he's got, got five. five. And I saw one recently. And it's not that he's <laughs> – not that he wouldn't be a good, better comedian – if he didn't, you know, got out and kept sure. going. And so I think we have a distinct advantage here. And I think now with um, the old interwebs and the Netflixes and the Hulus and the WWW whatnots, I don't think you have to move. I think you'd be better off staying here. Well, I, you know what? I, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you about that because um, you've proven by staying here that you've, uh, you've grown creatively. Uh, I think the last couple of times that you uh, performed at the Tebby Center of the Arts, you came in with like all new material each time. That is correct. Yeah. Um, the last three times I performed there, I told people, hey, it's going to be a new 30 minutes. The 30 minutes you've never seen. If you saw me a year ago or more, then it's going to be new to you. Yeah. And I believe that people should get a value for their money. You know, I think if you're going to come out and pay to see me, I work a job. I know what it's like to have to get out of work and go and buy tickets and sit there, you know. It should be worth it. It should be. Yeah. You shouldn't have to sit through reruns. That being said, <laughs> <laughs> um, tomorrow night's going to be a little different. Tomorrow night is going to be a mix of um, some new things that people haven't seen before, and it's going to be some old things that people haven't seen before. So if you just saw me last year, if you just saw me the year before, I'm pulling from all parts of my five years now of doing this and putting together a little bit of a greatest hits, if you will, for like cool. you know, 35, 40 minutes. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. My sister said, is it going to be as dark as the last time? <laughs> I hope. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Well, yeah, we can talk that. about uh, pulling parts. Bob's an expert on pulling parts. And, uh, I'll push some parts over there. <laughs> I'll get you. Bob will be doing your sound tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, so, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. doing some sound over there. <laughs> these your, are, these your are our, unions, 
Our union sound engineer. So, all right. So, uh, you're gonna be doing. Uh, uh, you're gonna be. You're gonna be headlining the show tomorrow night at the Tempe Center for the Arts. Easy to get tickets. Go to comedyschools.com. And tickets are moving nicely for your show. I want to say that. Uh, I would tell anyone out there listening. There is a. Um, uh, most shows in town don't sell out. Mm-mm. No, no matter how big the venue. Uh, most shows in town don't sell out. On occasion, we do have shows that sell out. And. Uh, and I I'm track the ticket sales every week because uh, if you don't know, not only am I the uh, uh, not only do I host this American podcast comedy edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com, I also produce the shows at the Tempe Center of the Arts. So I obsessively track tickets. I'm I like, thought you brought all the produce to the shows. I, I, I do bring produce. I totally misunderstood. Yeah, that. I do. I produce and produce. I've actually uh, we tried to produce a child there once, but then we got arrested. <laughs> So uh, we've been tracking your ticket sales, and there's a possibility that this show could sell out. So uh, when I'm telling any um, any of the fine folks out there in the uh, in the listening world that you might want to go to ComedySchools.com now and pick up tickets just to be sure, or you may call the box office at 480-350-2822. Tell us who else is on the show with you. Who else is on the show? Um, and I'll be I'll feel really bad if I uh, don't remember everybody. Um, but the feature act is going to be a gentleman named Michael Paul Cohen. Um, I, I just think he's, I think he's the next thing. I don't. Know, I like to pick people who tickle me pink, and I just like his comedy. I think he's funny. He's beardy. He's chubby. He's got a Hawaiian shirt. What else do you want? You yeah. Know? Well, that that alone spells success. He's well, no, but he, he's very funny. Me. You've got um, Derek McFarland. He's probably 28 years old and looks 12. And he owns it, and he's just—he's a funny, funny, funny kid. Um, I still say kid, <laughs> and, um, yeah. But but he's he's very introspective. He's got a—he's had an interesting life, and he's got a great way of bring, bringing that across to people and making you laugh about it. Marcelino Crossman, hes hes a black <laughs> so person. Got, yeah. So we got an African American gentleman. A, yeah, which is great. So we have. But he's. He's hot though right now. I have to tell you, I like to go with who's dealing a hot hand. The last two, three times I've seen these guys. I mean, they just have me in stitches, um, and you know he's are not. Saying, just, he's not going to stand and talk about Are you saying race. that the African American comic put you in stitches? Hey, hey, hey! hey. I mean, I'm just trying to clarify. Where's what he from, statement. Ferguson? Yeah, I was just going to say this is that's the way the Ferguson Police Department wrote it up. No, he's just a um, super funny guy, and he'll touch on um, being a, a new father and um, and you know other topics and issues of race as well, but but a lot of things, and. There are more people on John the line. John Henry? No, John John Henry not on. John Gregory weaseled his way onto the lineup at the last minute. Remember I told you I always leave one spot open now? Because yeah. somebody always just, yeah. Yeah. So probably John Gregory John hosting. Gregory weaseling. I, will, I left the host <laughs> spot open. Ernie Green is going to be on the show. Ernie Green. Earn, big yeah, Ern. Yeah, doing a, a 10-minute set right in the middle there. I, I, I make him host a lot. And I want to see You uh, guys kind of started out together, didn't you? You and Ernie? Yeah, I probably got a few-month jump on him at uh, comedy schools, but... Uh, but he's been at it for a good while. He's been at it for five yeah, years or more, yeah. and he's got a good following and a good set. And the last time a it. show sold out at the Tempe Center of the Arts, it was an Ernie Green show. That's absolutely true. By he the packs way. him in. I think I was on that show. Yeah, and yeah. I'll be on his next show. But we're yeah. going to talk about that. We're talking about him on this show. Yeah. And, then, um, <laughs> and it'll it'll be a fun night. And I I swear there was probably some. No, other John Henry. <laughs> no, no, John Henry. Good people. He's been on a show before. Um, what happened to John? Nothing has happened to him. He I was, thought he was going to be on the show. No, he was never. He was. Oh just, no! You know what? It's a different show. He's on a different show. 
I was getting, I was getting, uh, I was getting, uh, I was talking. Okay. Now you got some information, huh? I, uh, yeah, Hotwire. I, I, I was getting some, some information, and I, I confused which show John's going to be on. Yep. yep. So it looks, looks like John Gregory hosting Derek McFarland kicking us off. Marcelino Crossman, uh, Ernie Green, Michael Paul Cohen, the MPK, and then yours truly. I'll, I'll, I'll bring us all home. And it'll be fun. And I'm going to talk about, um, you know, killing my wife and a few other things that just are <laughs> topics that interest me. Now, just to be clear, I, I want to point out, to the best of our knowledge at this point in time, <laughs> you have not killed your wife. No, not yet. But I, it's more just that I have dibs on it. Now, you it's know, more just that the last time no I one's going to do it. If it's going to happen, it's going to be me. How long have you been married now? This time, um, this wife. This I was going to say cumulative, because sometimes she's like, it's our first wedding anniversary. I'm like, well, it's my 14th. It's your first. <laughs> she didn't think that was funny. And um, I was telling someone the other day, they were like, why did it go so wrong the first time? And I have to tell you, I really misunderstood the concept of Saturday being our cheat day. I did not know <laughs> we were even on the diet. Uh, it was the ADD. I had to pay yeah. attention to the whole thing. Yeah. This time around, going on to two years in August... Two years in August. So Shirley and I got married in August. You got married in August. Did you? Where did you get married? Technically, I was married at the fabulous Tempe Center for the Arts. I was married outside. Outside. It was not sanctioned. Brian Mullen married us. Oh, my God. How great. And we didn't have um, a witness because he was supposed to bring his wife and he forgot. He forgets things, Brian. He forgets a lot of things. And we, (laughs) um, my beautiful bride walked down to the Tempe Town Lake and found um, a, I don't know how you would say, a derelict, I guess we would say. He looked at me when fishing. he said that. I thought they were your people. And he was <laughs> fishing, fishing in the stagnant waters of Tempe Town Lake. and um, Fisherman, you mean? And you see her just 100 yards off in her little heels and this little dress. And you're like, what is she doing? And she's talking to this odd man. And the next thing you see him shrug his shoulders and then pack up all of his fishing stuff and come up and he kept going, is this serious? Is this for real? So we have a whole bunch of Was he of wearing wedding. a fishing hat while you got married? Um, no, but that <laughs> like, would have been good. Like <laughs> a hat with like those beer cans hanging off yeah. of it. Yeah. But we got um, a bunch of pictures of him and the fishing pole in with our wedding photos. It's not his so fishing it's great. pole. So we were married uh, technically outside the Tempe Center for the Arts, and we went over to Cane's Chicken Fingers, Raising Cane's, and, and had a wonderful post um, nuptials thing. And then we had a reception, you know, about like a legitimate one a couple months later. My wife, my bride, she does not feel that our vows were meant to be shared publicly, that they were a private moment between the two of but us. But they were made in a public place. Right, they were made in a public Outside. place. Outside. Yeah. Next to a hobo. Next to a hobo. Ho- hobo. Nobody uses that. Yeah. Do you do? Yeah. When, wow. when Shirley was a little girl, her mm. and her uh, uh, brother used to play hobo. And they would pack up a hobo bag and pretend like they were going to go catch a train and ride the rails like the hobos. Did you have a bindle? <laughs> no, maybe well, was the word for that. If we were to transfer that whole story into modern day, you couldn't. It would be against the law to even share that story. Remember that song by the Rolling hobo, Stones? Going train, to a hobo, going to a hobo. No, it's go go. So you got married at the Tempe Center for the Arts. It, it had a special meaning for us. Yeah. Yeah. Shirley and I got married at the Tempe Center of the Arts. Yes, he did. Ours was a little more. What do you mean you weren't invited? <laughs> okay. I wasn't invited to your wedding. I, I, I did you not invite me to your wedding because I didn't invite you to my wedding? No, I did. I, I invited um, you to mine simply to show you that, like, to like one up you and show I you. I never got an invitation <laughs> to your wedding. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe, I did. maybe I did. you did. I don't remember. I didn't get an invitation to your wedding. You were not available I, oh. <laughs> at the time that I got married. I was drumping the broom. Is what were you trying to say? <laughs> 
Well, here's the thing with our wedding. We got married uh, on the other side of the glass at Tempe Center Arts indoors, which meant that it cost us. Mm -hmm. And mm. Uh, um, I want to get into that for a second, wedding costs, because ours was a sizable cost. And, and for both of us, you know, we, we're, we're, uh, we're adults, mm -hmm. and this was our second marriage. You know, we all have, we have grown children. So a lot of people our age will then uh, just go off and get married in a chapel someplace. But neither one of us had a big wedding on our, uh, Shirley and I are both married before. Uh, we didn't have a big wedding on our first, so we decided to do that. So it costs quite a bit. Yours at the Tempe Center Arts was free. Uh, yes. Yeah. And you, were, and you were about 30 to 50 feet away from where I got married, and mine cost several thousand dollars. Yeah, we probably got a lot of the same photos, though. Yeah. <laughs> get one out on the bridge, get a couple outside, get yeah. the mirror, sneak in, grab a couple yeah. before you get kicked out. Well, it's it, a public but, building. You can is. walk away. Yeah. It, but then we did have a reception where we dropped the coin and oh. had everybody all we catered all the food, all the mm -hmm. drinks, all yeah. you can eat, all you can drink, 120, 130 people. Were you happy with your caterer? I was. I didn't eat much of the food because I was being pulled in a lot of different directions, but from what I heard, it was awesome. Because our caterer kept trying to sneak <laughs> off with our food before we were finished with it. Hmm. I, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I share? What's the difference between a homo and a hobo? Uh, a homo uh, it, it would be a, de a derivative and, and a not proper slang term for someone of the gay persuasion. No. That was a great try, though. A okay. hobo doesn't have any friends, but a homo has friends up the ass. And that's from... <laughs> That, that's from Those are from our listeners from California. Yeah, well, we love uh, that. I would have thought it, that a hobo, just <laughs> out of sheer danger, would sleep face up and a homo would sleep face down. But, well, what, but what do I know? That would be an urban homo. Hobo. 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 See, I think you did it right <laughs> as far as your wedding goes. I'll let everybody go, but I, I got to bring it back. <laughs> because you got married in a beautiful place yes, for a I reasonable can. amount. Because yeah. we recently attended a wedding, and we went to John Gregory's wedding. Yes, also I was not invited to that. Yeah. You're not, well, you know, it's it's kind of a thing that's sent out. Now, when you go to your wedding planner, they go, don't invite Christopher Royer, mm -hmm. because that's the thing to do in Phoenix, is right. to get married and not invite you. I get nice gifts, but who would not? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, I, man, we're just bringing, this is, not, this is going poorly now. I wouldn't invite you to your wedding. <laughs> Bob, you got married, but you were married before. I'm still married right so, now. Did you yeah. invite Chris to your wedding? I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> We yeah. didn't know each other, but I did walk by the bank. Yeah. I'm not allowed in banks. <laughs> He's not allowed in banks. He has a weird concept <laughs> yeah, about have a history. withdrawals. Well, yeah, the thing about the <laughs> banks is we're the only ones allowed to do all the stealing. Whoa, <laughs> so, which yeah. is true. We rob from the rich and keep for ourselves. It's a beautiful system. You do. Why wouldn't you? And, and then when the rich run out, you rob from the government. The way I see it, and I love my job and I love the company I work for, is long. the higher up you get in banking, the more you get exposed to just like like just like the real inside of the system so the perks start getting a lot better it's more ah. like it's more like here's all the stuff you can get yeah if you're comfortable checking your conscience at the door <laughs> you get to sit third row with the sons you know and drink free beer and so <laughs> who wants to go to the phoenix open Son, yeah, they're well, like well, i want to go to the phoenix open they're like okay here's how money really works it's not right. real here's all you have to do yeah if you want to go to the phoenix open <laughs> So is do, do, Satan? Yeah, aren't you afraid sometimes that someone's just going to snap and go run out of the bank with their hair on fire, going, "It's all a lie! It's all a lie!" I mean, funny you should ask that. So I'm up, I'm at a comedy festival, and these comics find out that I work in banking, 
and they say, okay, they corner me, give us the real scoop. What's the inside real secret to banking? Ah. Tell us something that the public just doesn't know. So I thought, okay, I had a few beers in me. I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm amongst people. And I looked at them and I told them the honest truth. I said, money's fake, it's not real, it's only real because you believe it's real, and the whole system is a, is a complete sham. And they're like, well, we thought you were going to be serious. We thought you were going to tell us something real. So even if you tell people the truth, they don't listen because it's not the truth they want to hear. And that's when I realized in my 40 years, if I could give anybody any advice, it's lie. It's really easy. It's, it's incredibly beneficial. And you know how easy it is to lie when you're telling someone what they already wanted to hear? Oh, my God. So easy. Why uh, wouldn't you do it? How else would you find a way to make people believe things that weren't true? You gotta lie. It's the only way I found so far. <laughs> you know, I used to do jokes about that a long time ago, right? Say when people go, uh, we, we want a president who's honest. They go, no, we want the president who tells us the best lies. No one wants a president who will appear on national TV with his hair messed up, you know, in a tear-stained face going, it's really bad. If you hear it, oh God. We want a guy, it's morning in America. There's a new vision. We'll make America great again. And, you know, that's, we, we, that's who we want in our life is the person who tells us the best lie. You'll never get old. You look as good as you did when you were 25. You know, someone goes up and goes, you know, you're starting to look like crap. You know, you don't want that person around you. Mm -mm. So we want the banking system to lie to us. Donald Trump recently came out and said about money. He goes, there'll be no problem. We'll just print money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Which is the truth. Yeah. I tried to tell someone, I'm like, the Federal Reserve hid a trillion dollars during the crisis and then slowly leaked it back into the system. They completely manipulated the economy. They're like, well, how do you know that? I'm like. Because it because it happened because I was there yeah. <laughs> you know and they're like that's not real I'm like yeah you're like you said so it's isn't that what the Federal Reserve is there for though is the manipulate well, aren't all economies to manipulated to a degree and they're and because they're all um, not on a gold standard and because they're all based off the U.S. dollar which is completely manipulated um, yeah the whole like global uh, system is. is um, a lie, but it's like I said, it's a lie that we all like to hear, um, and it's what keeps the money flowing into our bank accounts. So, but that's boring. But you said something about being president and lying, and I just saw a George Carlin quote the other day, and I just George Carlin was my idol and the reason I got into doing comedy. And he said, "You know, I'm in America. Anybody can be president. That's the problem." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't understand why we even vote for it. Why can't we just, like, can it be like a job interview? Can't it be like a gauntlet, like a physical and mental <laughs> challenge of some sort? I think we're headed towards that. And gauntlet. That would be more fun. That would be that more would representative. Because right now, what, what do we have? A representative aristocracy, I think, is really what yeah. we have. If you've got a lot of money, then you have people representing you in government. It costs, it's it's going to cost uh, each of the candidates, uh, presumptive nominees, uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald J. Trump, at least a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. To run for the four hundred thousand dollar a year gig, mm. they the, 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 you get to live in a house that is built on a drained swamp mm -hmm. right outside of Virginia. Mm. So Trump just, Trump saves a lot of money though, because all he has to do as soon as he's not getting enough like TV time, he doesn't have to pay for commercials. He just has to yeah. come out and go, "We're going to put barcodes on all Portuguese immigrants," and they're like, "Oh!" Then he gets like a week's <laughs> worth of free TV time. Now, now that's gonna that'll go viral. Yeah. Now that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump wants to put barcodes on Portuguese, and I think of any immigrant class, they're the ones who should have bar barcodes placed on them. I like I like Portuguese. I like making up like ethnic rumors and seeing if I can get them started. Like Armenians cheat at board games. Portuguese are selfish lovers, like or whatever, and see if you can get one. See if you can get a new stereotype started. I had a question the other day. I don't know why this popped in my head. Is it weird? Is it racist 
if there's a stereotype about like a minority, but I like that stereotype. No, like no. I don't like my wife thinks that that's racist, but like, like when black people say X, tickles me pink. I love it. Yeah, like. Asians being good at math, good. I'm glad they are. Like, you know, like, I'm confused. Like, is it racist if I like it? <laughs> no. Italians say acts, too. Yeah. And, yeah. Then they, and, then they, and then they kill people well, they, because they are in organized crime. And I like that about them. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That's fun. Somebody should do it. <sighs> but Well, there is that weird thing where uh, a, a lot of ethnic groups, minorities, or, or any culture... Uh, let's let's not even say ethnic group or minorities. Any culture is often proud of certain things about their culture. You know, we make the best stew. And, you know, but then if you say, talking well, about the Hungarians, yeah, and then you say, <laughs> you also say, yeah, you blow your nose in your hand. You go, that's racist. You know, but if you say something positive, it's not racist. But if you say something negative, then it is racist. It's a very confusing time. You know, um, um, what was it Larry Wilmore um, calling the president of the United States the uh, the N word? On national TV at the Washington Correspondents' Dinner, there are people. Nubile? Huh? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it's similar to Nigerian. Oh. Only it's got an extra G and not the N. So, <laughs> so uh, that sort of thing going on. It's a very confusing time about what you can say and what you can't say. And uh, now there's the power of. Uh, the power of, uh, of the midgets, I say. The little people. Where people will now in mask on social media and. and uh, deride someone, and and then we accept that as well. Now that has to change because ten thousand people said something on Facebook about it. Uh, it. It is. It's amazing. I was watching something the other day on TV, and I saw that we were talking about my people. Um, and who are your people? And I and apparently I can say this word, and you can't. Well, you can <laughs> because you're maybe because you're from Missouri, but <laughs> my people are hillbillies. Yeah. And now you've got to refer to us as hill folk. Ah. And as Tony once said, but not Hill Americans. That'd be putting on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're not gonna. But but you know, Hill folk. And like, well. And then I thought about my cousin Billy, who lives at the top of Boot Jack Hill. And I'm like, well, he's still a hillbilly. Like, I, yeah. But other than that, the rest of us, like, you can't use our word. I don't even want <laughs> people using Southpaw because I'm left-handed. That's our word. There's Screw a whole, there's a whole a genre of music that's called hillbilly music. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Dwight Yoakam was one time asked to describe the type of music he makes. And he goes, well, it's hillbilly music because he's from that region. He's from, I think, Kentucky, you know. And he, but he, when, like one of those kids grew up in the country. Your dad was listening to Hank Williams and Porter Wagner, but at the same time, you were listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and then you were picking up folk music through Bob Dylan, and it mixes together. So nobody could really describe Dwight Yoakam's music. He goes, well, it's really hillbilly music. So now, would Dwight Yoakam have to change the name of his music to hill folk music? Jeez, I don't think so because he, see, he's a hillbilly. He can. Yeah. Do it. So, so I could say hillbilly because I I, uh, I lived uh, I went to high school in House Springs, Missouri. Yeah, and uh, you know what? And uh, we were the people that hillbillies made fun of. Oh god. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's the kind of music I see, and I know what the kind of music is he's talking about. It's the kind of music where you want to get drunk to it, but then you're going to pass out. So then you invent meth so you can stay up all night and drink to it more. And like yeah. that's that's what? my folks. I mean, we're the ones, you know, rednecks are the ones. You know, running the, the the liquor from the cops and the NASCAR and stuff like that. Hillbillies, we were the ones just making the liquor. Like we weren't, we weren't into politics. I, that, was, that wasn't that wasn't ours. Like, yeah. You know, we're just we make the booze. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow night. I Good. think it's finally time for me to talk about my white trash credentials because people are like, oh, you're vice president of the bank and whatnot. And I'm like, I got a lifetime exemption for white trash. Okay, I've been in multiple fist fights in church parking lots. Yeah. Like, I have. 
And trust me, I have two different direct relatives who have DUIs that weren't in cars. <laughs> like, I have pure white trash. Tuna noodle casserole could make it in my sleep. Are you kidding me? Still love it. Now, you, so, so you it. are, you, to meet you and to know you, and I've known you, what, seven, eight years? Five years. Five years. Okay, seems longer. Um, I, you wouldn't strike me as the type of man who's been in a fist fight in a church parking lot, but you've been in a fist fight in a church parking lot. At least twice as a youngster. Yeah. I was, I was also um, arrested on my 12th birthday. Yeah? Criminal mischief was the uh, charge. Criminal mischief. Attaboy. But we'll leave that alone. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's in my past. I was almost arrested in a church parking lot for stealing beer out of a church. Yeah. When I was uh, 13. See? And the cop... Let me go. He goes, I'm going to get you for something big one of these days. That's some thick white trash. And he, 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 he <coughs> And that's a cop that doesn't like to do I'm paperwork. I'm going to be getting you something big <laughs> one of these days. That's a cop there. that doesn't know how to do paperwork. Yeah. He, he chased me for years. Years. I, I, felt like, I felt like I was in a, a French play about the revolution. This cop was always breaking down my door <laughs> for, for years. He kicked in the door to my house two or three times. When I was a young man. You're just like Les Mis, except trying to steal bread Is to feed your metaphor? family. You were just trying to steal beer to get liquored up. Yeah. Was yeah. that a metaphor? He kicked in my yeah. back door many yeah, times yeah, yeah. as a kid growing yeah, up. So, so, yeah, people don't think that, <laughs> no. but I still do embrace my roots. Uh, I'll be talking about some. I still do some white Your roots or your roots? My, ro uh, my roots. Yeah. There we go. And, uh, my, and uh, yeah, my wife still. Like, every once in a while, she forgets. Like, and then, every some, then I'll do something like buy a Powerball ticket or do whatever and then she'll say like oh yeah you're still pretty trashy even <laughs> and i figure it's finally time to come out because my my name is spelled odd so it's Chris, it is it's christopher but it's spelled yeah. k-r-i-s it's spelled like someone who doesn't know how to spell f-e-r and then so people always say at work lately oh is that ah the traditional german spelling Ah, yeah. The Swedish spelling, and I'm like, actually, the white trash spelling. My parents had one high school diploma between the two of them when they had me, and so. they bought it at a yard sale. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, C H and P H, those are just extra letters we couldn't afford. What a, you, I you know, it's I mean, clever. Like, it's we, clever. You're kind of like the white version of Anthony Hardaway, <laughs> the uh, the famous basketball player whose name was A N F E R N E E, because when his mother, when he was born, she goes his name, his name Anthony. Yeah, Correct. And they, they went Anthony, and she goes, "No, Anthony." Ask me again. Yeah, ask me I'll again. tell you. Is something. That, yeah, and I know exactly something. the types of folks. See, those are my people. Yeah, and, and and I don't, and you don't, and that's why I don't like, you know, you know, I may need to make the distinction between black and white. Um, but yeah, but those are the people in like in my family, where when they're on reality shows, even though they're speaking English, there's still subtitles underneath, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, yes, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> that's I Yo. saw one the other day. It was called Southern Justice ah. colon domestic disturbance. Yeah, and it was like, Ooh. and I and I got mad because I was going to watch it. I'm like, is this show going to glorify domestic violence? Which would yeah. be very upsetting to me. Um, and I would say it didn't glorify it. It damn near condoned it. <laughs> like, it <was> like, <laughs> they had women on there just like literally filming them with two black guys in the hospital. And I'm like, this is exploitative. Black eyes or black guys? Black eyes. Okay. Ojos. Negros. And Negros. she was just like, and they were like interviewing this woman. And I'm like, this is so wrong. I was pacing back and forth in the, in the living room because it's an issue for me, you know. Oh, okay. and, and my wife's just like, calm down, calm down. And I'm like, and they were interviewing the lady. And I'm like, well, at least they're going to let her tell her story. We're going to see why domestic violence is so wrong. And she goes, I know that when he comes home, all liquored up like that, yelling, he's looking for a fight. So, you know, I know it's just best 
to get out his way. So when he came in, you know, pretty drunk, I was like, you fucking loser! You drunk son of a bitch! Why don't you hit me? I bet you wouldn't hit me again! I'm like, oh God, I want to punch her. And so I'm like... I'm like, this isn't good. But those those are my people. What channel? Is, what time does this? This was on, <laughs> hey, it was on like National Geographic or something. I'm like, oh my lord. The next lady was weird. Did they, the cops are standing in there. These like rookie police in these backwoods jerkwater towns are interviewing this lady. And I was so mad. And she goes, well, my ex-husband's in here. And then, and she's got a little bit of blood on her lip. And she goes, and he came in here pulling his dick out like he does and the cops are just nodding they're nodding and she goes so i told him you gotta mow my lawn and they just kept nodding and i'm like isn't anyone gonna ask like where the middle part of that story is how did you get from he came in here pulling his dick out like he does so i made him mow my lawn like the cops were nodding like well you pull out your dick you'll mow a lawn <laughs> that's just southern justice and i'm like good lord so are you thinking, are you saying mowing the lawn was possibly a metaphor, an analogy? I don't think so. I think she made him take a lawnmower <laughs> and then go mow her front lawn because he pulled his dick out and you know, like he does. And, and I always, I don't know. That's you know, the, those, almost, these are my wife's shows. It almost shows. sounds like a Bruce Springsteen tune. Pulling his dick out like he does. <laughs> when he pulls his dick out like he does, I mow oh. the lawn till two. Something like that. It's almost like a Springsteen thing. That sounded no. nothing like Springsteen at all. Oh, uh, you try it then, smartass. Humorously, my goddamn my penis. Nice. It's more like a howling wolf, and that's that's not that's not that's somewhat true. It's nice more the show was more like the more the show was more like Bruce Springsteen. Ate a Larry the Cable Guy CD and like a quart of baked beans and then shit out a John Cougar Mellencamp video and then that's what we were watching on the TV was this Mellencamp diarrhea Springsteen Larry the Cable Guy. I picture. love Mellencamp or yeah. John Cougar back John in the Cougar. day. I remember seeing. Well, you know what his original uh, moniker was was for Johnny Cougar. Johnny yep. Cougar. It, David Bowie's manager had gotten a hold of him. You know that David Bowie. Bowie. Yeah. And he wanted to turn him into the next uh, uh, David Bowie and called him Johnny Cougar. And there's even like a, some album where he's got like eye makeup on and stuff. And uh, uh, he resisted that. And then he became John Cougar Mellencamp. And then he just dropped the Cougar. I always thought it was a conspiracy just to keep us on our toes because he kept changing his name. Worse than Prince. Worse than Prince. Who? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... Chris, so you're going to be at the Tempe City of the Arts with, uh, and you know, this is a lineup that uh, oftentimes we get a, we uh, book someone and uh, we book the, uh, we book the undercard. We book who's going to be going three rounds, you know, uh, in the first few fights uh, before the uh, the main event. But you, uh, you book this entire lineup. So not only will your show be a reflection of uh, your very creative and funny mind, but the show that people will see before you come on is a reflection of uh what you like and what you think is cool in the uh, local comedy scene. It, it is. And I, yeah. And I've gotten some compliments before. I remember that was actually one of the biggest compliments I got on the last show. We, the show we did right around this time last year where we had to like, where we sold out the show and had to stop and bring in 40 more chairs just to seat everybody. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't just that the set went well. It was that people said, wow, that was a really good lineup. Wow. I really appreciate yeah. that. Like that was a really good show from start to finish. So yeah, I do think I have a good eye for putting, the right blend of people together, um, you know, that are going to compliment each other, but not step all over each other's jokes. You're not going to, it's not going to be repetitive. You're not just going to be hearing the same note over and over and over again. 
um, except for me when I just talk about strangling my wife for 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, does it take that long when you strangle someone? Or I wouldn't think so. No, I told they someone. I told someone the other day. They were asking me what my fantasy was with my wife, and I was like, yeah. like, like you know, like choking her, and they're like, oh, like Fifty Shades of Gray, and I'm like, <laughs> no, like she's gonna be like Four Shades of Blue. I like, I just <laughs> want to <laughs> choke her. Like, <laughs> well, I've noticed an arc in this relationship of yours from when you had first met this young lady, and I, I think you had brought it up in passing in a conversation with me that you met someone and then that you were going to get married and you got married and and, uh, and now we're here. So there seems to be an arc from hello young lovers to uh, get over here. No, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's because, it's because I love her because I do have ADD and she challenges me every day. It's always something new and fun. Like and Kung Fu challenge? Like, no, I don't. Or I wrestling? Never, I never, no, like more like this, like you're going to laugh. Okay, I know you're not gonna laugh right away, but just imagine, just imagine the sound it would make, right? If a pigeon that I found sick out on the ground, like a big, sick, disgusting pigeon, and then I, and I brought it home, okay, and I put it in your office, um, okay, because... Okay. This is your wife telling you a yeah, story yeah, that's yes, supposed to make yeah, you laugh. Yeah, yeah, but, but just, but okay, 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 but, but think of how funny it would be like the sound if it flew straight into your acoustic guitar and knocked it over like the one that's on the stand that you really like, like but if you think of the sound that it made though like think about how funny that is and i'm like so there's a pigeon a sick pregnant disgusting pregnant pigeon, like in my office knocking over my how, how far along is the pigeon in the pregnancy oh, i named him flappy grande <laughs> Your pro-life. Uh, so those, those, those are the things. Like it's like I love her, but she challenges me because she does bring home sick birds, and she has this really big heart. And if she reads a Facebook page that some dog was hit by a car yeah. and has like three seconds left to live, and it's on 75th Avenue, then we're driving from Gilbert at 10 o'clock at night on a work night because. But those are the things you know. It's like they drive me crazy, and I want to kill her. But I, but you, I love, you, you I love that. I love that she has this really big awesome. heart. And you uh, have cats. Yeah, she's got she's got cats, which means I vicariously have cats. Yeah, I like cats, but like and, cats. and I've had I've had uh, I've had two cats several times. I never would just have one cat because I figured they'd be like lonely, so I'd get a, another because another cat. Because the reason you get a cat normally is because you're not going to be home a lot. If you, mm -hmm. you you can't have a dog and be gone twelve hours a day on a regular basis, if you're going to keep it cooped up. You can do that with a cat. So I'd always have two cats, but you guys have more than two cats. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we got. Um, Ten more than that, yeah. So we've got. She's, she's got the the twelve, wow. the jury. I call them. Just twelve cats. The jury, yeah, always judging me. Just always hanging around, all inside the house. Yeah, they can free flow in and out, but they all, all at the end of the day, they're all sleeping in the house. Were these cats that she went out and got, or cats? Because my mom used to be like an animal person, and animals would just kind of show up on her door. That's how we would get pets. When I was a kid, animals show up and just wouldn't leave, and my mom go, "Well, we're going to name it and keep it." Did she go out and get these cats, or do cats just come to her? Yeah, it's a combination of that. So she loves cats, so she had three or four, and yeah. maybe even five, because she was, I mean, she was a cat lady, don't get me wrong. Mm. Like she was. But then people were like, oh, wow, you're a cat lady. So when I found these two really inbred ones and the ones missing a leg, you can take care of them. She's like, no, I can't, because I already have five cats. And people are like, okay, so you're going to take care of them, and then drop them off. And she tries to rehome them, and it oh. didn't work. And then another one showed up and was pregnant. Wait, wait, she didn't know it and had kids. And then she was like, well, I'm attached to these ones. And, and then people were like, you have 12. What's one more? I mean, because it was 13 when I moved in. But the 23-year-old cat finally fell over dead. Went on to its reward. 
And wow. so when you rehome, is that kind of like when you try to change someone's sexual identity? Is that like one of those Christian things? And that's the biggest issue we're having right now. Do they is, get to use the same cat box? And that's the biggest issue we're having right now is the gender identity of the four cat boxes. Like who's allowed Thank to you. use which one? Yeah. Thank you. And um, that's a problem for me. It, it is a problem. I, I think the best solution to the whole uh, transgender bathroom was uh, a friend of mine, a, a comic friend of mine, Bill Laskowski, the other day says. I just shit in the hallway. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. like, And then I just hold it in my hand and I throw it at people complaining about my, uh, women breastfeeding in public. That's what I do. That was awesome. <laughs> I saw that. Floyd Haas, did you see what Floyd Haas posted? Because it, no. it was funny. And it was that. He goes, uh, in New Orleans, which side of the street do the transgender people kiss on? Yeah. <laughs> All good questions. I saw and that. Shirley that asked good. me, you know, she goes, well, what? I go, because in New Orleans or Mardi Gras, people just pee in the streets. Yeah. So where do the transgender. Bob and I had an experience with some transgenders about a week or two ago. We did. Yeah. Uh, Bob called me up to do a... Uh, oh, yeah. A, oh, yeah. wow. Uh, you think of something else. Well, yeah, I was trying to... A, what did I get a benefit it? show for a, uh, a rehabilitation center. Yes. And um, I, I thought he was joking when he said they're going to have a couple drag queens on the show. And not only have drag queens on, they had one doing an encore. And every time the drag queens went on stage, these guys are all in a rehab center. You know, it's an in-house rehab center. About half of them would leave. And somebody goes, because they're disgusted? I go, no, because they're starting to get an erection, and they're uncomfortable with that. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm sporting wood. So, oh, it was awesome, uh, though. I had to leave. <laughs> you ran towards <laughs> the drag queen. I embraced. You did. You know, I, there's uh, no running anymore. You, got, you flipped your arms out wide. You got your tiptoes and ran. <laughs> the hills are alive. I used to pay good money to do that. Now yeah. I do it for, well, no. All right, we've gone off on a tangent here. So your cats are transgendered. <laughs> well, they're, they're technically gender neutral because yeah. if you believe scientists, gender is a societally assigned trait and is not something you're born with. You're born with your sex, but gender is something that you learn through society. And so the cats have no actual gender roles. I, I know how you can tell gender, but whatever. You know how you can tell gender? If someone complains about the toilet seat being up or down, mm -hmm. they're a woman. Mm -hmm. That's it. it. I don't care. You can have a 12-inch dick. But if you complain about, hey, you know, why don't you put the toilet seat down? That's yeah. something that is, yeah, that shows in I, your... Thank you. See, and that's, yeah. that's, that's very true. And I even told my wife, I said, you know, if we didn't have this whole gender identity thing and we just all had bathrooms that all had stalls in them, because I don't know where we came up with the idea that men are cool, because, like, just always peeing right next to each other in a trough or, you know, because yeah. it was hip weird. to hip. You know, like, I mean, she's like, well, you can't do it because... Um, because then women won't want to go in there because the guys will pee all over the seats. So I'm like, so if everyone peed sitting down, and they're like, well, that should be the law. Everyone, we have all stalls. Every, everybody's peed sitting down. Now women are comfortable in there. Guys are comfortable in there. And I, you know, whatever. And I never did figure that. I was thinking about that the other day. Was that in the first meeting of men? Like when men finally realized there was a difference between men and women, did they sit down and go, hey, Let's have a meeting about this. And they came after six <laughs> hours of discussions like, well, we didn't get as far as we thought, but we did get the first two <laughs> rules down. A, we never look at each other's dicks, ever. Not ever. Not ever. <laughs> B, we pee as close together as possible. Always. We always pee as close together as possible. Board dicks out as near to each other as we can. And if you look at mine, you're a homo. <laughs> or a hobo. Because you're going to be a transient now. And it was like, I don't, I don't know. But uh, the bathroom, the bathroom thing is funny. I asked someone the other day, I said, I, I held up a picture of a guy and I said, would you be okay with someone, you know, would you be okay with a transgender person? And the guy is clearly a guy, you know, and they're like, oh no, I'd be in the men's room with that guy. I'm like, well, okay, well, he was born, his birth certificate doesn't say that he was born a guy, okay? And I know because I, and I remember because I was peeing in the bathroom and I was washing my hands at a comedy club and then I heard the stall flush behind me and the door open and it was this guy. 
who technically born a woman, right? Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, Lucky. still still standing up to pee, you fag. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really, is that the scary, is that what we're scared of? Is that what we're scared our children are going to be subjected to? I said, well, would you rather your children be in the restroom with a war hero, two-time in Vietnam, Agent Orange subjected to, still doesn't complain about it? Because that's my uncle. Maybe you'd rather your kids be in the bathroom with him. He's a convicted pedophile. Boys, that's not the point. His daughter went on to marry that boy that he molested. <laughs> White trash credentials. I told you I got a lifetime pass. Hillbilly music. I got a lifetime awesome. pass. We're going to, man. Hand uh, me those tissues. We, we have loved having you. We want to try <laughs> something. We want to try something before you go. We've been talking about White Trash and Hillbilly. Uh, earlier, we had a little band going, and we want to try to get you to join our band. Are you familiar with Mungo Jerry, the song In the Summertime? You know the song? Ch, 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 ch. In the summertime. Now, all you got to do, okay? All right, so here's how it's going to go. All you got to do, Chris, is just continue to go. And Rob, you're going to join in kind of like uh, the way uh, uh, George Harrison and uh, uh, Paul McCartney used to both get up on the same microphone when they were in the Beatles. All right, you're going to give us the. I got to do the stupid noise again. Okay, and you're going to, and, and, and you'll be the lead, uh, like the uh, piano or guitar. Bob, and then I will sing the tune, okay? Oh, wow. So, and you guys, you guys remain constant. Yep. The the jug, okay, and the uh, sandpaper thing. When I'm the washboard. washboard. Yeah, yes, you're the washboard. Yes. You, you stay, you stay with, ch 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 and you're. Am I the beef <laughs> stick? No, 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 no. You're the, you're the, you're the. No, no, no. Oh yeah, the okay, melody. Yeah, you're, the, you're the melody. Yeah, 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 yeah and then yeah, I'll yeah. come in with the lyrics. Okay. So we start out with Chris, so, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to reprise Muggle Jerry's in the summertime with intern Rob, guest host Bob, and the very funny, funny Christopher Royer, who's funny on stage and off and smart and creative, and that's why I love being his friend. And I love being able to produce his show, which will be tomorrow night at the Tempe Center of the Arts, 7.30. Easy to get tickets at ComedySchools.com or call the box office 480-350-2822. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the ComedySchoolsRadio.com jug band. Take it away, Chris. In the I was looking at your crotch the whole time. You're not going to hear that on NPR. <laughs> Suck it, all things considered. Diane. <laughs> Diane Ray. That's <laughs> the... Our Christopher. Oh, I, am, I am so happy. <laughs> You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition, ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah.